Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number one of Genesis chapter 11. And we're going to begin in verse 1 of Genesis 11. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And I'll stop reading there. Now, We've been discussing, because the information in the previous chapter in Genesis 10 led us into a discussion of the division of the continents, the continental shift that took place in the days of Peleg, and I'll just read Genesis 10, verse 25 to remind us. It says, And unto Eber were born two sons, the name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Now we saw some important items that the Lord was stressing from verses 21 through 32 in chapter 10. And one was his highlighting of Eber. Back in verse 21 of Genesis 10, it said, Unto Shem also the father of all the children of Eber. And then Eber was also mentioned in verse 25, that Peleg was one of these two sons of Eber. So Eber really takes a a place of prominence in the entire discussion, and we wonder why. What significant thing did he do? And the Bible really doesn't tell us, but the Bible does imply the significance of Eber is that he was the Bible calendar reference patriarch, the calendar reference patriarch, just like Noah was the calendar reference patriarch in his days at the time of the flood, and God kept track of time according to the lifespan of Noah, so too was Eber a calendar reference patriarch. That That's certain, there's no question about that. Yet we find that later on in the days of Abram, uh, quite a while after Eber, that Abram is called a Hebrew, and the word Hebrew comes from, it's derived from Eber, Eber's name. And we wonder, why does Abram become known as a Hebrew? And we know that a Hebrew language develops in written and spoken form, and that, again, that word Hebrew can be traced back to Eber. 
We also know that God divided the language of mankind, and that's what we're going to be looking into in chapter 11, is the confusion of tongues, the division that God brought to pass concerning the spoken language of all people on the earth. At one time, mankind spoke one language, as it says in Genesis 11, verse 1, and the whole earth, and the word whole is a word that means exactly that, the whole earth, without exception. This word whole is the same word that we find in Genesis 8, verse 9, but the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And we know it was a worldwide, universal flood. The the waters covered um, uh, even the mountains, 15 cubits upward. So there was nothing left. There was no patch of land somewhere that was able to escape the flood waters, the whole earth. And likewise, the whole earth. And this word earth is also the word translated as land and whole is the Hebrew word that can be translated as all. So literally, whole earth could also be translated and all the land was of one language and of one speech. And the word Hebrew word translated as speech is debar. It's 1697 in Strong's Concordance. It's the word for word. There was one language, one word. But then God confused the word, confused the spoken language that that would have gone back all the way to Adam because uh, Adam would have spoken the language he was created with. Eve would have spoken it. Their children would have spoken it. And Noah was a 10th biblical calendar reference patriarch from Adam, 6,023 years from creation when the flood came. And, and so the, the whole world pre-flood would have spoken one language, the same language as Noah, and post-flood, after the flood waters receded, Noah and his family would have spoken that one language. They would have raised their children with the same language that Adam and Eve spoke. So very consistently, very consistently, from the time of creation in 11,013 B.C. until, we'll, we'll say there's a strong likelihood, the days of Eber, and Eber um, was born in 3617 B.C., and that's when his period of being the, the uh, patriarch that the calendar was attached to began, and Eber lived until 3153 B.C., so somewhere in there, a period of 464 years, was the Tower of Babel. And it's likely that it was closer to 3153, because that's the year Peleg was born, and in the days of Peleg... Peleg lived for over a couple hundred years, and, and we discussed this. The division of the continents very likely took place in 3114 B.C., when Peleg was 39 
and, and 40, 39 actual years, he would have been in his 40th year. And we, we know how those numbers, 39 and 40, fit very significantly elsewhere in the Bible. But very likely that's the year because that's the foundation date for the Mayan calendar that they really had no other reason to mark their calendars with that foundation date except for the tremendous trauma they experienced with the catastrophic uh, movement of the continents, the breaking up, which would have been earthquake, and 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 then shifting along the sea bottom. We we just can't imagine just just the the terrible time that would have been for people. We we uh, experience fear and 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 people are traumatized when the earth shakes for 15 seconds in, in a major way. Well, this would have had to been a prolonged experience of earthquake and movement, uh, unsettled ground for some period of time. It, it could have been several days, a couple of weeks. We don't know, but there would have been this enormous change in life for those people that happened to be on that patch of land that that would become South America, like the Mayans, or that patch of land that would be North America, or Australia, and so forth. And so we can understand that in the days of Eber, and that's why, again, he has this prominent role as the Lord brings him to the forefront in Genesis 10, in the days of Eber, somewhat close to the birth of Peleg, let's say it was a year before, 3154, or 10 years, Eber is a full-grown man. The calendar events are identified with his lifetime, and the the um, people move to the land of Shinar, who speak one language and one speech, as it says in Genesis 11, verse 2. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Now, that reminds us also of something we read in Genesis 10. In Genesis 10, verse 10, speaking of Nimrod, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. So Nimrod and the early families move from the east to Shinar. And that's, of course, a significant statement by God that they journeyed from the east because the direction of east in the Bible identifies with the kingdom of God. So these people were going away from God, away from the kingdom of God, to Babylon. Babylon typifying, and Babylon and Shinar are synonymous, typifying the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of the world. And and so mankind is, uh, after the fall and, and after the flood, once again, going away from God, has no interest in God or the things of God, the word of God, wants to establish his own kingdom, his own world, completely apart from God, and 
they settle in the land of Shinar in Babylon. Again, though, they're unified. It's one people. There's different lines. There's the line of Shem, and there's the line of Ham and Japheth. And, and within that, there would be uh, a handful, a uh, minuscule number of true believers, and the vast majority would be worldlings, unsaved people of the world, just like today. The vast majority of the human race is always unsaved. That's how God has designed things. And they come together to enter into agreement to build a tower that will reach to heaven. And, you know, again, they're speaking this one language, one word that everyone can understand everyone else. Can you imagine if the world was like that today? And actually, we're not far off from that due to translation technology. Uh, you, You can copy and paste Whatever language that someone writes, pretty much, there are some exceptions. Go to Google's Translate. There's also a site called Babel's Fish, and where they get their name, well, right from the Bible. And you can enter into the text, and it will translate into the language that you're interested in. So much restoration from the effects of the Tower of Babel have occurred and taken place in our modern day. But at that time, again, one language, one speech, and therefore the continents could not divide first. It necessarily had to be the confusion of tongues first, because again, uh, as mentioned in the last study, if the continents divided first, then we would find the people on all these remote islands and lands would all speak the same language, but they, they do not. When discovered, uh, they spoke foreign language, different language, one from another. And in some places, hundreds of different languages in, in, in a same geographical location. And that's the evidence of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel's is the confusion of language and of tongues. And where we find, like in Papua New Guinea, where there's hundreds of different dialects or languages, that would just mean that after God confounded the language of mankind, and we don't know how many languages God divided that one tongue into, but numerous languages, certainly, that after the Tower of Babel occurred, and and after some unspecified and certainly frustrating period of time in which the human race continued to try and communicate with each other but could not, and, and they didn't have helps like Google Translate. They, they had no translators at first. No one was able to understand the other language that takes time. You, you have to, um, hear it spoken and it would have been extremely more difficult because there was no written language at that point. And, uh, you know, uh, just to mention this, 
we don't want to get off track, but just to mention this, that it's fascinating that scientists tell us that the universe is billions of years old, the earth is billions of years old, mankind goes back millions of years, we were relatively new on the earth, they tell us, because we've only been here millions of years in a more evolved or advanced form. They they tell us we uh, came from whatever, apes or whatever kind of animal, and we were cavemen for a lot of those millions of years. But we have to wonder exactly how far along in our evolutionary process we are. If man has been here millions of years, then, all right, let's say much of that, according to them, we were cavemen. And we just didn't have the uh, intellectual ability to uh, understand language and and to write language. We could we could draw on caves. All right. Well, how far back do we go before we make the advancements in our minds, in in our reasoning, in our thinking ability? How far back is it? Is it hundreds of years, hundreds of thousands of years, five hundred thousand years ago, where man? Is finally evolved to the point that he can communicate and reason? Or is it a 100,000 years ago? In other words, how new to our present thinking, reasoning, and ability, how far back do we have to go until we find our modern man? And isn't it interesting that there is no written record? There are no books. There are no short stories. There are no, uh, historical documents that go back a hundred thousand years. Well, okay. Well, let's say we just evolved a hundred thousand years ago. Well, okay. But there are no books, short stories or historical documents or anything written in any area at all 75,000 years ago or 50,000 years ago. There, there's nothing written, no written record, 40,000 years or 30,000 years ago. How newly developed actually are we? There's no written record of anything 20,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago. There, you cannot find anything by Shakespeare. You, you cannot, or anyone on a similar level, you cannot find anything written by a kindergarten, uh, student. No ABCs, no alphabet, no written recorded language. Well, again, they, they would find some drawings on caves and date them, uh, you know, millennium or millions of years, but we're, we're not talking about drawings. We're talking about written alphabetical language of some sort, there is zero record that anyone has been able to find anywhere in the earth except going back about 5,000 to 5,500 years ago. Isn't that amazing? That, that That's really astounding given what we're told about Mankind, we, we would expect 
there would have been many early attempts at writing, um, tens of thousands, 50,000 years. We, we should have seen some development, shouldn't we? Some early periods of writing over here and, and, and where, uh, the alphabet is enormous over here and they cut it down and, and yet we don't, we don't find that until about 5,000, 5,500 years ago, which just happens to match the timeline for Peleg and Eber. The days of Peleg, the earth was divided, and very likely in the days of Eber, the language, the unified language of the world was divided. It was confused. And so, given the tremendous difficulty of trying to learn a language just by uh, by listening, yeah, you can. People are some people are very smart. Pick things up, and normally it's children because they're they're uh, very adept and 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 God has equipped them with learning ability at that early age. But it's very hard for adults to pick up other languages except if you write it down. If you write it down, if it's if you write down grammatical rules, if you write down words, if you write down the way a word is supposed to be pronounced, and here's Spanish and and in English, I I write it down or some translator writes it down to help me to say it in the proper way, it's so much easier. And, and again, that would have been in a time where they couldn't do recordings and and someone could pronounce the word for you and you just keep playing it and playing it. But it would have been in a little um, Greek grammar, Hebrew grammar, Spanish grammar book. Here is how you speak and understand this language. This is what these words mean in this language. There would have been a tremendous need for writing and for developing a written language. And that's exactly what we find the history of the world presents to us. Archaeologists have discovered that the uh, oldest record of recorded language goes back 5,000 or 5,500 years, exactly matching the timeline for the things we're reading in Genesis chapter 10 and Genesis chapter 11 with the division of tongues and the division of the continents in the days of Peleg. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.